Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, an exotic dancer vanishes. It was driving me crazy that she didn't come home. Was a jealous boyfriend involved? He was kind of vague. Or was she simply a runaway? She could have met someone who had money, someone who approved her life. But a police cadaver dog and a burned key point to a violent confrontation. I watch forensic files, CSI. I just feel like there's no hope. There's no hope. Instead of finishing high school, Shemaya Smith dropped out and worked as a dancer at the Cahoots Gentlemen's Club in East Hartford, Connecticut. I didn't approve of it. I've always talked to her about getting a, a job. It's a lot safer. One night, Shemaya didn't return home after work. Concerned, her family called police. She's a very respected young lady. And all we want is her to come home safe and sound. In a search for answers, police questioned Shemaya's boyfriend. The boyfriend reportedly had some uh, drug involvement. He was living with Shemaya Smith at her parents' home when she went missing. And he had seen her the day she went missing. He told police she left for work around 3 p.m., but said he didn't know who had given her a ride. The boyfriend's story that your girlfriend is leaving and meeting a stranger, this would lead most people to conclude that maybe the story wasn't true. Shemaya's family gave police a potential clue. Someone had left a message on Shemaya's cell phone at 11.55 a.m. before Shemaya left for work. The significance of this message was enormous. It gave the police and investigators another avenue to go down. The number was traced to a wealthy local businessman, 56-year-old Kenneth Otto. We found out that Mr. Otto was an upstanding person. He had a family, a wife and kids. He was a somewhat successful industrial business owner, had no prior criminal record, and liked to hang around strip clubs. Ken Otto was a regular at the Cahoots Club where Shemaya worked. And he admitted he had given Shemaya a ride to work that afternoon. He said that he called Shemaya, and when he called her, she requested that he bring her to work. 
because she didn't have any uh, transportation. So he agreed to bring her to work. He said that he last saw her going through the front doors of the cahoots and that he drove off. But police found another customer who insisted he had given Shemaya a ride to cahoots that afternoon. His name was Harold Brown, another regular customer. He claimed he not only dropped Shemaya off at the club, he stayed and went inside for a few hours. He also claimed he drove Shemaya home later that night. But according to her family, she never made it inside. So police now had two men, both insisting they were the last ones to see Shemaya alive. And Shemaya's boyfriend was still a suspect. But where was Shemaya? Two customers of the Cahoots Gentlemen's Club both claimed they drove Shemaya Smith to work on the day she disappeared. One of those men, Ken Otto, took a particular interest in Shemaya. Other dancers at the Cahoots said that Kenneth Otto would spend more time with Shemaya. He would give her extra attention, sit next to her, uh, buy her drinks, talk with her. Ken Otto also admitted he'd given Shemaya $500 to continue her education. And I told her, nobody's going to give you $500 just for nothing. You had to do something. And I was like, just promise me you won't never go along with anybody again like that because people you just don't, you can't trust everybody. In Ken Otto's version, he claimed Shemaya walked into the club on the day he gave her a ride. But the club's security tapes disputed that. We viewed the videos, surveillance tapes from Cahoots and found that uh, she never entered the establishment on the day that she went missing. In Harold Brown's version, he not only claimed that Shemaya went into the club after he dropped her off, he also said he went in too and stayed for several hours. Again, the security tapes didn't show Shemaya or Harold Brown in the club that day. But the security tapes from the day before Explain Brown's confusion. It was determined that he brought her home the day prior to her going missing. Brown had simply gotten his dates confused. It was apparent that he was being truthful. There was no motive that we could establish why he would commit a crime. So police focused their attention on Ken Otto, since he'd left a message on Shemaya's phone several hours before he admitted picking her up. On a hunch, Shemaya's sister decided to try subterfuge. She called Ken Otto and left a message on his voicemail. I called him to pretend to be Shemaya. If I was like, hey, Kenny, it's Maya. Just wanted to know if you want to hook up. Just call me when you get this message. And she never received a phone call back. And that was very telling. Because now you ask yourself, why wouldn't he call her back then and ask how she's doing. When police asked Ken Otto directly if he'd ever had a sexual relationship with Shemaya, he said that was impossible. He told us that he was unable to perform sexually uh, due to uh, some surgery, a condition that he had. 
he has erectile dysfunction. It was not very uh, successful. Investigators checked Shamaya's cell phone records and discovered that five days before her disappearance, she made two cell phone calls that bounced off a tower directly across the street from a 75-acre piece of land owned by Ken Otto. We thought maybe there's a possibility she might be there being held against her will. We had officers on the ground, and I directed that they go into the property and confirm that there was no one there in need of assistance. Police asked Ken Otto if they could search the property. He agreed to consent search of his property on Easter Sunday. When police arrived, they noticed construction equipment, a trailer, some vehicles, and a fire pit. There was some heavy burning in the fire pit. There was a smell of fuel. But something else bothered investigators. Apparently, Otto didn't mind the police looking around, but the cadaver dogs were another story. He became very upset when the dogs arrived. It appeared to me that he was worried we were going to find something. There was a, uh, a wood chipper on the property. There's a history of cases in the past where people have used wood chippers to dispose of human bodies. At this point, convinced he'd cooperated as much as he needed to, Otto asked the police to leave. You know what? I need you to wrap this up. All right. Now. When someone grants a consent to search their property, they're entitled to revoke that. But by this time, the cadaver dogs had already picked up a scent in the fire pit. One of the dogs found uh, a chunk of flesh that we it appeared to be animal flesh. Once again, Ken Otto had an explanation. You might find a beaver there. Excuse me? A beaver. I, I shot one a while back and burned it in the pit. Okay. There was no obvious evidence of, of, uh, of a beaver being in the fire pit. Ken Otto explained that he liked to kill animals and chop them up and spread them in the scene. It was disappointing that Mr. Otto revoked his consent, but we knew we we would uh, be back. Two weeks after Shamaya Smith's disappearance, investigators no longer considered her boyfriend a suspect. The boyfriend saw Shamaya leave the house and walk out, and that was the last time that he saw her. I believe that the boyfriend was telling the truth. Investigators were more interested in Shamaya's relationship with Ken Otto, a customer at the Cahoots Gentlemen's Club, and a piece of land he owned in rural Connecticut. It's about 75 acres uh, large. It's landlocked. There's one road access to it. By his own admission, Otto was the last known person to see Shamaya alive when he picked her up at her home on the day she disappeared. Otto allowed police to conduct an initial search of his property, but asked them to leave when he realized they brought cadaver dogs. In order to perform a more detailed search, detectives needed both a warrant and lots of heavy equipment and manpower. There were two jurisdictions involved in this. There was a substantial rainstorm that came during that week that hampered the efforts, and they all came together, causing an eight-day delay. Not only could the rainstorm have washed away any evidence, 
but eight days gave Otto plenty of time to clean up a possible crime scene. All of our fears are realized when the police go on the property. Ken Otto is in a full-size tractor attempting to bury the frame of his 30-foot trailer that was demolished and burned. Mr. Otto's property looked like man-made hell, a person that was in the process of destroying everything, trees, digging holes, destroying the, the dirt road that goes into the property. But the one thing Otto hadn't yet destroyed was the fire pit. I was very happy to see that the fire pit hadn't been disrupted all that much. Almost immediately, detectives got a break. In the embers, they found a house key. I took the key, cleaned it up, placed it in the door lock of Shemaya Smith's home, and it unlocked and opened the house. So it was Shemaya Smith's house key. But this didn't prove Otto killed her. In the fire pit, police also found a spent bullet and three shell casings from a 40 caliber handgun. On the ground, near the burned-out trailer, investigators found a mop, a vacuum cleaner, and a large piece of carpet. Serologists looked for blood, even though it had been sitting in the rain and mud for days. It's definitely a forensic science nightmare, especially when you're dealing with uh, Mother Nature tampering with the evidence and really just presenting extra challenges. The carpet was marked with a grid of four-inch squares, which were then swabbed with phenolphthalein and hydrogen peroxide, a chemical combination which turns pink when it comes in contact with blood. I started getting areas that were positive with my screening test. Each area that tested positive was marked with a piece of tape. Slowly, an unmistakable pattern began to emerge. It ended up being an area that was four feet by one foot in size. To everyone who saw it, it appeared to be a a human body. The outline was in human blood. But when it was tested for DNA, investigators got a setback. No DNA was present. It was just too much bacterial contamination. Investigators were beginning to wonder if they would ever solve this case. In the search for Shemaya Smith, investigators collected dozens of what appeared to be bone chips from the fire pit on Ken Otto's property and sent them to the forensics lab. This skeleton was burned so significantly that it was nearly destroyed as if it would have been in a commercial cremation. The fragmentation was so severe that you had pieces that were the size of a fingernail. It really is like a needle in a haystack. It's an anthropologist's nightmare. After close examination, forensic anthropologists concluded the majority of the bones were human. But that didn't mean police were any closer to knowing if the bone chips were Shemaya's. There was a lot of thermal destruction. This would suggest a a tremendous fire that lasted for as much as days. I had never worked 
with um, samples that had been so charred and so burnt before. So I was very hesitant as to whether I would be able to generate a DNA profile from these remains. But in a case with so few lucky breaks, the forensic anthropologist finally got one. They found a piece of a foot with soft tissue. There was still organic material. There was still definitely the potential of getting DNA out of that foot. Well, the other big challenge was that we didn't have a known sample from Shemaya Smith. So what we had to do in that case was uh, take those DNA profiles we generated from um, tissue and burnt skin and bone and then make a comparison to Shemaya Smith's biological mother and biological father. DNA tests revealed that the bone and tissue found in Ken Otto's fire pit was from Shemaya Smith. We have enough evidence to establish that the reason he destroyed all that evidence is because he violently caused her death. Two months after Shemaya's murder, Ken Otto was arrested at a local airport. He was carrying a briefcase containing $10,000. He had toiletries, his passport, and various other items. And he also had a small bag with uh, some condoms in it and some uh, um, Cialis, which is basically Viagra, generic Viagra. I have no doubt that he would have bought a ticket and flown to parts unknown. Taking Mr. Otto into custody was a pretty proud moment in my life. By his own admission, Ken Otto picked Shemaya up for work. But... The evidence shows that instead of taking her to the Cahoots Gentlemen's Club, he drove 30 miles to his property on the outskirts of town. No one knows what happened after that. But prosecutors believe that at some point, Otto shot and killed Shemaya inside the trailer with a 40 caliber handgun. Then he rolled her body in a piece of carpet, creating the blood stains later found by forensic analysis. Then he burned Shemaya's body for days in the fire pit. When cadaver dogs picked up the scent in the fire pit, Otto asked police to leave. And he had eight days to carry out the most extensive cover-up investigators had ever seen. But he couldn't destroy everything. Investigators found shell casings, a spent bullet, Shemaya's house key, hundreds of bone fragments, and even part of her foot, which all told the gruesome tale of a needless murder. I think she was very naive about everyone she knew. Like, she just put her trust in everyone, and you cannot do that. Ken Otto was tried and convicted of Shemaya's murder and tampering with evidence. At the end of the day, uh, he's a cold-blooded killer. It was a great feeling, not only to bring the case to an end, but also, uh, again, for the family, 
you know, to have to have a, uh, a good outcome for the family was very important to me. For virtually everyone involved, the most difficult aspect of the crime was determining Ken Otto's motive. Mr. Otto exhibited sadistic behavior with his treatment of animals, and uh, he may have been deciding to carry that kind of behavior uh, up to a higher level and, and harm a human being. I couldn't understand why he would do what he did. We all have unanswered questions. We couldn't even have a proper funeral for her because there was nothing to have. It may look like a pile of burned fragments that are completely unrecognizable, but in the hands of a trained forensic anthropologist, they will find something uniquely human, and they will tie him to that victim. Mr. Otto thought he was going to outsmart us, and um, he was pretty sure of it. And he was going to do anything he could to, to try to outsmart us, but uh, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. 